We were talking about the Truman Show, and you mentioned a term called pan zeitgeist something. Panpsychism. Panpsychism. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to try and repeat what I think that is, and then you can tell me if I'm correct or not. Yeah. Panpsychism is the idea that artists create representations of the world, and certain ways of viewing or understanding the world ripple up through the zeitgeist and then affect innovations in, say, science, politics, technology, or whatever. Is no. that somewhere in the <coughs> domain of what that is? No, but that would be... No. <laughs> no, but that's the collective unconscious. Like, yeah, that's like a very Jungian idea, like okay. what you're talking about. It's like the collective unconscious. I was a Jungian as a teenager. Yeah. I'm a crypto-Jungian now. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Panpsychism is... It's like all gods. So, like, ev- everything okay. has a god in it. There's, like, a fundamental, like, consciousness to everything. This is, like, something that Aristotle believed in, one of the oldest religious beliefs that exists. Was there something about paranoia or the world feeling fake? Well, that's what I was asking. Is like There was, like, the Truman, that kind of conspiratorial feeling. It's a phenomenon or, like, syndrome. There's, like, Truman syndrome, and yeah. I was trying to figure out, it's like, did it come before or after the movie? Yeah. They were, like, being watched, and there was cameras everywhere. Because I think there's something to this. Like, I actually, I, I think there's, there is something important behind this. I think artists are influential. Today's artists are different than what artists have been in the past. And the way that artists see the world is important. And, and those visions shape different parts of society. I think that is um, inarguable in some instances. But I'm also very, I'm very convinced now that the people that we call artists are largely out of touch with society and their visions are not very clear. Mm-hmm. And so then the dialogue tree that's opening up is either the people who are today's visionaries, for lack of a better term, are not artists. Okay. Or who are they? I don't know. Are they uh, are they tech entrepreneurs? Like that's one. That's what that Silicon Valley would tell you, right? That like the. I don't know visionaries of our society are like these randian entrepreneurs in silicon valley yeah and then maybe they're meme makers maybe they're the people who are in touch with the zeitgeist and they're they are making the most relevant work or maybe if you asked um the new york times they would tell you it's the journalists and those are the people that tell society's stories and like those are the artists of today they show people how to view the world mm-hmm. i'm not sure if today's artists are fulfilling that role that they have Yes, and you're saying that you think that the lens, like the visionary lens needs to be pointed to society or it needs to be pointed like somewhere else? Well, I think all all human societies have had, I'm paraphrasing something from Shimon from the recent New Models podcast, actually, I was listening to it in the gym, so it's in my head. All societies have had these shamans or magical people since the very dawn of human civilization, and artists do not seem to be fulfilling that role. Yeah. No, in the same way that they have in generations past. I mean, I do think, I mean, you're talking about a spiritual dilemma, you yeah. know, I think. And I do feel that. I feel that, you know, I quote this often, but, you know, James Joyce loves to talk about what bad and good art is. Do you know about this? What is Smith, Smithy of the soul, you know. In The Portrait of the Artist, as, as a young man, Daedalus's thesis is like what bad art is. Like he has figured it out and he's puts it into two categories. And it's either what is didactic or what is pornographic. And didactic is the bad art that is trying to teach you something, <laughs> right? Okay. Bad art is the yeah. is the type of art that's trying to teach you to some teach you something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's didactic art. And pornographic art is like advertising or kind of like lust based, like something that gets you to want something. Mm. And that's like Daedalus is like saying like that's that's I figured out what 
the like bad art is. And then Joyce goes on to write, you know, Finnegan's Wake and Ulysses, and, and that's where like the smithy of the soul comes in, you know, where it starts to be this like trying to point to the awe or the sublime or transcendence, you know. Is the bad art in a like I'm imagining a bell curve type of a shape where there's like didactic on one side and porn on the other, but the good stuff is in the middle. Is well, that? I want that for you. Is that, <laughs> I'm trying. But I don't know. Is that not what was implied? But no, no but I love that. That's the visual. It. No, I don't, there was no diagram, but I now there is. Maybe it's the opposite of a bell curve. That I love there's that. A, it's a valley. There's an uncanny valley. There's, yeah, of there's a very the slim art. overlap of the Venn diagram. I don't know if yeah. pornographic and didactic combine to make good art. Is that what you're thinking? That would seem like the worst start of yeah. all time. That yeah, that's would, pretty yes. bad. That's extra bad. Didactic porn. That's the bottom of the I'm valley. sure somebody's tried it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be like a... Didactic porn definitely exists. Sex ed PSA type I mean, of. well, it's not pornographic like sex. It's like pornographic right. like advertising or like... Okay. Like that art that's like... I know exactly what he's talking about because it's that like the promise of art, the reason I make art is because it's like the only respite from mm-hmm. what is the constant barrage of things being sold to me yeah right yeah. it's like the only sort of space that exists that doesn't have something being sold to me and you can feel it in the work that is like like you feel advertising just around the corner you know it's like that it's like maybe paintings that are a little too wet there's like th- something about that where you start to just feel the, the like hollowness of it when like, you say wet do you mean recently painted in advance of an exhibition meaning that they were just put on the shelf to sell or wet as in they're they're too sexy and they're like sexy trying to be yeah. commodities like or wet. something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay okay no, because I mean, I've literally been to openings where like the paintings are wet. Well, my paintings are like, always they wet. Just, yeah, <laughs> like, okay. but that's because I'm finish it twenty minutes before. Definitely. Yeah. Like okay. as the art handlers are wrapping it, I'm saying, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're an extra, extra few. I'm uh, getting better at that. Though. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But I mean, you were just talking about uh, you were quoting your your friend uh, that was talking about like a, the sort of more like spiritual problem that we're at right now with art, maybe. Yeah, we with are artists, you know. There's a spiritual problem kind of everywhere then. It's a, it's, it's art, it's all in, yeah, it's, it's like, throughout society. I don't know if it's spiritual or more like, I like to say like it's more of a psychological problem and I think it has to do with the locus of control or just like, we're just in a tipping point where how fast the information is coming in and like uh, behavioral addictions and how our brains, it's just like we're at this place where we're just trying to like adjust to how fast things are moving, you know? So it feels like locus of control problem. It's a spiritual problem too, sure, but like, more like locus of control. You say tipping point. Where is it tipping? What Probably direction? towards wet wear. That doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> but that's like, I think that's probably where we're going unless there's like some sort of... Like Neuralink. Yeah, like Neuralink. But before then, there'll be like a lot more peripherals that Google Glass is like the first sort of like preview of what that's going to feel like. Mm. But I think that we'll probably look back at this time in a sort of like nostalgic way because it will be so quiet compared to what it's going to be in the future jesus christ it's true though because think about it it's like how could there not be like think about the space that we're in right now and how it's like none of it's really glowing or vibrating or making noise and like when you start to just put the interface of what this is as an overlay which is like sort of inevitable because it's going to just like make things easier heads-up displays are going to make things easier so then like everything starts to have like like a barcode or some sort of something attached to it which sounds fun and like candy, you know, it's just like sounds like candy, but it's also like going to be really, it's going to be intense, you know, and we'll be like, I remember when it was like so quiet. I sent you that page of the Sadie Plant book. It's going to be on the next syllabus and it's about wetware and she has these kind of beautiful poems that make 
uh, sometimes yeah. very little sense, but they're like it's just good. We need it's something. art fuel. It's, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great. But uh, this theme of the wired seems to uh, be pervasive throughout. Well, yeah, yeah, and serial experiments lane and yeah. this type of thing. Well, that's yeah. like panpsychism. Serial experiments lane, lane is panpsychism. Okay, is that's the like wired the, yeah, alive? Like, Does it have its own spirit? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a god of the wired. There's a god. But it's of the more. Wire. It works more like the Borg, or like what we're talking about, the Edge of Tomorrow. Like it works more like the mimics. There's a Borg kind of like, but it's oh, panpsychism. It's like everything is made of mind. Is it democratic? Um, Are the there wired? multiple computers that like vote on stuff? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's how do it's they... a no. It's a it's like a monarchy. Shit. Yeah. So it really is a god for like, the wire. Yeah, but that's monarch. like. Yeah, that's Lane's yeah. purpose, you know. Okay, so it's like Queen of the Borg from Star Trek First Contact. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think we were talking about this, remembering how we use the word technology today, like what that actually means, and it means like peripherals for cognition. Like mm. that's what we usually, like when we talk about like new media or technology, we're talking about peripherals for cognition. It's like, and that's what cell phones are. Peripherals for cognition and communication. And technology as you know, and a lot of my work has been about this, but it's like technology used to be where you were sort of like terraform biology to like attach it to you to like extend your, uh, now I'm part horse and so now I can move faster. Now like I'm part was, machine and I can, you know, it's like, yeah. like that, you know? And then like, if you start to think about like what we're doing now, which is like, yeah, terraforming like the space of the mind with these devices, it's like what- That's a horrifying image. What's next, you know? Which is like technology starts to move farther into our bodies, you know, and it already has. Technology moving further into our bodies. That's a big distinction because um, we're the ones who make it. I mean, sometimes people literally make a thing that gets implanted into someone else's body. But you're talking about the exoskeletons. Well, I mean, it's, it's like the Marxist question of like, does productivity serve man or does man serve productivity, right? Because the idea of technology moving into our bodies, if we create it, then yeah. like we recreate the world through technology. We mm -hmm. literally transform the planets in yeah. terms of like carbon emissions and mm -hmm. things like that and terraforming is the appropriate word mm -hmm. again i don't know it, it almost like uh ascribes an agency to capital that is separate from mm. human intention yeah which is um then you're into some like landian serial experiments lane totally. wired type of um totally okay do you think that like in terms of predicting the future do you think i don't know do you think that there's like an agency to capital that is not attached to humans that i think that there is something about human nature where we don't remove our hands until the stove is hot and so like we can see that the stove is hot but we still want to do that and if we didn't then the atom bomb wouldn't exist and lots of you know lots of things wouldn't exist right it's like kind of like not being able to knock the spirit of invention which is just like it sort of does feel even when it's against greater human, like greater humanity's sort of best interests, like we still do it. Again, like Elon Musk's like a sort of entire ethos is like just that, this kind of like rueful acquiescence, just like, <laughs> hey, you know, like really like that's like his, that's like his moral compass. And it's like, it's compelling if I detach any sort of like moral judgment. And when he was talking about Neuralink, he was saying that the reason that we needed to exist is because our input far exceeds our output. And it's exactly what you're saying. Wait, what is the input? The input is all the information that we're getting and that we're not able to match the speed 
of the amount that we're receiving. We can't export enough information. Is he talking about literally news feeds? I think you could like, just say like texting. So like texting. you can't text fast enough or you can't think fast enough. And you, there's like when he's using his phone, he wants uh, to like summon the Tesla and then also send the message and like send like speak in thought forms. You know, it's like that level, I think, is what he's talking about. Yeah. You want to move. You want to remove the delay between like intention and then moving materials in the world. Yeah. You want yeah. to you want to not have to interface with the body. That's like, that's what the promise of like, what where is, is like, just it's like that level, like the transhumanism singularity ideas, like. This is their pro this is their fucking problem though, is that the, uh, <laughs> they can't, um, the, the capitalists constantly fucking believe in magic and shoot themselves in mm. the foot because your intention is immaterial, it's magical, it's in your head, mm -hmm. and what you want is a, is a result that where you have to move material objects yes. in the world, and that yes. happens with human labor and requires subjugating other people's wills and intentions, and sometimes they don't like it and they fight you. Yep. So uh, it's it, maybe it's necessary, it's like the necessary contradictions that keeps the thing uh, running, but this attempt to like obfuscate to even to to hide like the functionings of the machine is mm -hmm. like gestures towards that like removing the space between forming an intention and then moving the materials or, mm -hmm. or whatever okay so well that makes a lot of sense to like shorten the space between what you think and being able to text it and mm -hmm. yes yeah. okay okay I don't know. Are you gonna get it though? I always, I always joke that like I will become an Anprim when the Neuralink comes out. Like I day one, I'll go Anprim. No, I'm not gonna get that because I know it's like it's built on Bluetooth and like fuck that. That's crazy. <laughs> so you have a technical. Yeah, no, you, that's you, horrible. They designed it differently. Yeah. You'd be okay. <laughs> I don't I don't trust that at all. It is a technical, but does it sound great to? to if they had Thunderbolt, this shit would be no problem. Uh, oh man. <laughs> Um, no, I wouldn't, like, what I would like to get is I would like a, there's these retainer, there's a retainer that has very sensitive sensors so that you can just speak without speaking, but very quickly. Wow. That would be a great peripheral. Like, I don't want an implant in my brain, but I would like, like, a peripheral that's, like, like, that, that feels nice. But also, I just don't, I don't think real things that are based in electricity and putting it, it just feels very, very primitive. Yeah, until it runs as part of you, then it doesn't really feel like it's... Yeah, I think yeah. that that's just not... No dice, you know? Mm -hmm. Uninterested. I want DNA hard drives, then I'll start to... Then you, you know, then call me. I don't think about it. How big is your DNA? Like, how much can you store? File size. Uh, oh, wow. You can store... No, your DNA, specifically. Oh, well, everyone's DNA is like 3 billion. Okay. Um, like there's three billion base pairs. But your raw code of your DNA. You're talking about the NFT project. Yeah. The genome, it's a one percent of that three million because that's like what identifies me as me. But the rest of it, you have in common with everybody. There's right. like, there's like a base level that's like I think it's like ninety eight percent with everybody, and you have like ninety five percent with a banana. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So you got the one percent that's you. Yeah. But how big is that file? It's, so it's all text. Big. It's not, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's big for a text file, but it's not, it's at most maybe a meg, but that's big okay, for a text file. Right, but like how big is like a million page book? It's like, it's still tiny comparative yeah, to a like a wave file, file or something. Yeah, totally. So okay. small. But no, like, you know, that researcher about like storing things on DNA strands, like that's a really good system. Very stable, much more stable than like, you know, digital storage. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they say stone and then um, stone floppy disks and uh, it's really DNA and above that is the Akashic record. 
We love That's your where everything records. is uh, immutably stored. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know you were going to get that one. That's yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I found out about it uh, relatively recently. My friend gets Akashic Records her readings done. Oh yeah. Yeah. How expensive are they? I'm not sure. I'll give her a twenty percent discount. Whatever that guy is charging, I'll do twenty yeah, percent do under. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I promise mine will be better too. Uh huh. More accurate. Probably. <laughs> you do mine. <laughs> That's funny. What is it? I don't know, dude. Does somebody read your past or I, your future? She's what are like, they gonna... she tried to talk me into getting one, and um, and I was like, you've lost your goddamn mind if you think that I'm going to go. Like, this, I, but it was like some sort of like soul karma thing. There was something about that. What's soul karma? I don't, I, like what your purpose is, or like what if you're supposed to have like babies, it's like something mm. like this. I didn't ask too much, I should have, but it's like astrology adjacent thing, I think. Seems worse than astrology though, because it's someone that's just like, it's like at least there's like some baton handoff through astrology of time, you know. Aristotle was a Taurus or something. I don't know. Have you had a tarot card reading? Mm, I guess, yeah. But isn't that just a Rorschach test? Yeah, yeah. Like that's like the good part of it, right? I had it recently. I felt like that. Yeah. yeah. Did you pull the death card? No, I pulled a good one. I think it was the world was the last one. It was like, what's in your future? The world. And it's like kind of. Whatever you want, it could be a lot. But mm-hmm. It felt like you were making the meaning out of the thing. Yeah. Maybe it was just That's the person who read it to me was good at it, but it didn't feel like very prescriptive. This is going to happen yeah. on June fourteenth of twenty twenty three. You're mm-hmm. going to have this whatever. Like, didn't feel like that. <laughs> Maps of meaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is Jordan Peterson reference. Maps of meaning. Yeah. Where from what? <laughs> His book is called that, I think. Twelve Rules, or which one? No, his like last book was like Maps of Meaning or Maps oh, of Meaning. Oh, is that the okay? Uh, pre or post uh, breakdown? Benzo. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe like at the same time. One of the things that we talked about long ago, and maybe never picked up the thread, but we were both watching the Zizak Peterson. How page. did we come to know that? Were you posting it or something? I'm uh, I'm always posting. Mm-hmm. I'm always posting, bro. I'm mm-hmm. like. I know. I am never it's not true. posting. Yeah, it is yeah. true. But I, back then, I just can't remember if you if you were posting. I think that was it. Yeah, it was. We, well, we got a whole group of people to like watch it together because oh, you nice. had to. I think it was pay per view or something mm-hmm. like that. So you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't just watch it online. You had to like. <laughs> yes, that was a disappo- It was a disappointing. It was a disappointing debate, but it does feel like a long time ago, and it's because it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. ancient. It's ancient now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have people like that today. It's still Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. I think the world was made in 2016 and it's just that simulation never stopped and we're just stuck in it forever now. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. No? No, think about who you were in 2016 and who you are now. Yeah, that's true. It's really different. I'm a different character. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. Thank God. Better character? Oh my God, yeah. 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 I so, like, across the board, you know? Yeah. I'm really glad I'm not in 2016. It's true. You know, it's been hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's way better. Mm-hmm. But hurt like hell. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like definitely the best I've ever been and the happiest I've ever been. So I'm grateful for that. Redacted. Redacted, stricken from the record, yeah. yeah. I remember, well, then you... It was interesting when you first came for a studio visit because you said something that stuck with me a little bit because you said we were talking about the market and I think someone like there was someone that had to come pick up a painting 
Remember this? We talked about this. Yes. Yeah. And you were like, what did you ask? You asked something like, ask, you're asking about like the beholden, like feeling beholden thing. But this isn't interesting. We can move on. No, it's very interesting. Feeling beholden to you're asking widget about, that you make or what is the... No, you're asking about the collectors and like the, like sort of like the money structure of yeah. like my practice. And I think it's interesting because it was like, um, yeah, because you were like, you were doing like a bit of stress testing. You know, you were like trying to see like where I was. And my answer to you was that it was like the tastiest of the shit sandwiches that I've sampled. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. And I stick by that, you know. I yeah. don't know why it's occurring to me now, but it's something related to the, like the, yeah. the Peterson thing or something. Or like how like things have gotten better, you know, something like that. Yeah, I had a worse one recently. A worse what? That there are things that are worse than the art world. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. A lot. It's a lot. like it's like the I mean of I have tried a, a lot of different um, runs of the sim, you know, and this is by far the best situation. You know, it's like I don't come from art world like You don't. No. So it's like this That's is That's what's so interesting. Yeah. You really don't. Mm mm. And that's another thing where you were, when you were asking about, because I was like, it's hard to feel, even if like the whole show were to stop tomorrow, it would still be like a miraculous, like a miracle kind of run because of what like what the rules are supposed to be, you know? And like, that's what's hard about to, to be bitter or to feel that kind of resentment about the like, quote, art world is hard for me to feel because of how, how long of a run I've been able to have doing what I do. So it was hard for me to like feel beholden or feel like any sort of like resentment or anything like that yeah i probably wouldn't trust you if you came from a background of the art world uh-huh. uh because uh lord knows i have endless endless criticisms about it but trying to really escape the art world and escape institutions and whatever and then trying to survive on the platforms all of the incentives they just create the worst culture and i know yeah, you realize in hindsight that there are really meaningful things that can only happen in in spaces that are yeah. given institutional funding and protections and, and whatever. And and so when I see you and I see your practice and I learn about your background, I trust your engagement with the art world because you weren't just born into it. And I think having the critical engagement to learn what the art world does well versus the real practical alternatives to creative life yeah then i am yes i'm like willing to renegotiate myself (laughs) into the art world and and whatever but uh people who are just born into it and accept it uncritically yeah and um accept like all of its cruelties and ineffective things and it's like deference and the pageantry and like Mm -hmm. the shit that is really you know in some cases totally unnecessary that is infinitely frustrating and 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 just i i no longer have the patience for it in my old age yeah i find it's a very interesting thing because you are an artist who makes creative work and you survive off of that and the art world is the appropriate place for you and you are also curious and creative and all of these things that um my jaded, poisoned perception <laughs> of the art world should not allow for. Yes, I know. And yet it exists. Yes, I know. Yeah. I see How that. How does it feel to be the anomaly? Mm, it's not, I mean, yeah, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful. It's also like, yeah, and I feel, I mean, I see what you see. It's also like when you know someone's background and you know, it's like, it's very clear who has the, comes from generational, you know, generational wealth. It was like, we'll always be safe. You know, like you see like that. But then I think about the people 
who are like my peers or like my closest friends and I think about their backgrounds and they're really similar to me you know I mean some of them most of them went to like art school art school sure. but it's like the people that kind of like stay in the game stay in the game and make like my favorite types of work you know aren't the people that like are from those backgrounds I had a it's professor like, say that to me though but that professor I looked up to him a lot and what did he say to you he told me that time evens this thing out, yeah. right? And there's people who yeah. are in it for the glamour or for the clout or for whatever, or they're just like rich kids with a hobby. Yeah. And that over time, you know, that that is true to a degree. Yeah. That there's only thing like good things tend to survive. Yes. But he also was doing this in the fucking 1970s. Mm-hmm. You know, that was before like neoliberalism. That was before 2008. Mm-hmm. And so now like the barrier to entry is actually it's so unbelievably high mm. that there's not people from different uh, uh, class positions <laughs> or backgrounds that can even enter into this field. So it's exclusively now the pursuit of like wealthy luxury elites who, you know, and some of them are, are very talented and to survive in the long term, you do really need the talent. Yeah. But uh, it's just, it's I so... Think- I guess field is tilted. Yeah, I mean it's true, and but then when I think about like five of my closest friends whose work I really like, mm-hmm. and I think about their background, and again, yes, I'm thinking about the one that has like the Yale MFA and the other one, you know, that there's that is true. But then I think about like maybe the four other people, and it's like they have pretty similar backgrounds, mm-hmm. but they all did go to like art school, art school. You didn't even go to art school. No, I did not. That's crazy. It is. But I had Art 21. <laughs> Does that count? No. Is that? <laughs> it helped. Did you watch all of it? Mm. Over and over and over again. Matthew mm. Barney one. Oof. Kiki Smith one. Good yeah. Picks. Oh, Good yeah. Picks. Those were my, uh, that was my private pantheon, you know. Mm. Where'd you go? I went to SVA. Oh, yeah. But I had a very trade school type of education. Isn't that what SVA is kind of known for? I think they're known for fashion and advertising type stuff. So does that count as art yeah. school? I guess it does. Well, it's got art in the name, and I thought I was going there under the pretense of studying art, but then I realized that my friends who went to the new school got a lot more of the theory education or, yeah. or whatever. But then I also realized later in life, all that shit is fucking dumb and fake, mm-hmm. and it doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was driving the moment that I was in was this unbelievable frenzied speculation Mm -hmm. that was floating everyone's career and then when that thing disappeared everyone's like it didn't matter how much fucking theory you knew it didn't matter how good your (laughs) shit looked or like just the bottom dropped out of everything uh and so in the remaining years it was you really did see that the people who really made interesting weird creative things managed to i mean we should emphasize this like in many cases lived in grinding humiliating poverty to be able to continue yes. doing those things yes but they did survive they yeah. did continue to make it maybe they moved cities maybe they yeah. left the country but they did continue to make things yes. and, and all so, those people hung on to their hearts you know which is really important in those times you know so you gotta really hang on to that hmm. keep going though hmm. well it's just i feel i'm i'm in a, a funny place with all of this stuff because you know you try to like leave the thing and then you end up back in it oh well, yeah like, don't be a bitch <laughs> <laughs> <You> th- 
<laughs> I think I've put in. I think I've put in enough. I'm. I'm allowed to complain given everything. Given everything else. Um, Come back. I've put up. Uh, I, I've put in enough work to mm -hmm. properly re-enter it. I think so too. Yeah. That's why I'm saying. So. Come back. Don't be a bitch. Yeah. Hmm. You know. I don't know. Maybe you would do well if you uh, if you took a, a break from it too. Maybe making would art. Steer, steel would sharpen. I would kill steel. myself. No, no, making content, making oh god the other the other side. Doing of what you do? Yeah. No, I can't. I've I I respect it so much though. Mm. And I think it's I don't know you're much braver than I am. I think well, you don't need it actually. You don't actually need it. Maybe I will someday though. Because you're you okay. This is I'm going to give you uh, a compliment, so I'm going to do it in the meanest way possible. Okay, good. <laughs> Having very anti-elite politics, and in conversations for the last few years, I have learned that I'm an artist and an intellectual. I'm not actually anti-elite. I just believe that we need better elites. Mm -hmm. And you have moved from a non-elite position in society to an elite position. And you started from a very, very humble background. Mm -hmm. And you rightfully earned your place. And I feel like that is acceptable. And actually, that's the society that I, I want, right? There are a few people who actually have upward mobility. And when someone rightfully earns that, that's very important to, to say. Because most people who are in the elite positions were just born into it. And they don't actually deserve it. Yeah. So what some of the challenging structures have been able to do is offer a bit of competition and uh, transparency to a thing that has otherwise been totally opaque, that mm -hmm. there's not been a way to like, if you weren't accepted into this prestigious journal or whatever, you wouldn't be able to counter the narrative. But now you have a platform to publish on, mm -hmm. so you can take to your Substack and say, the person at the New York Times is dumb for reasons A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And if that thing seems true enough, eventually it's going to get a following and it's going to build and it can challenge the structure that has been otherwise impenetrable, mm -hmm. right? But that doesn't mean that we should not have those structures and we should not have elites and institutions and legacy media and like all of these things, uh -huh. right? So... That's my insulting compliment. That was insulting enough that the... Uh, was, uh, it, was that... No, I didn't even hear I just tried to be a little bit mean while doing it, mm -hmm. but I'm going to cut all of this from the podcast. Yeah. Incredibly humiliating. Um, <laughs> Keep it. It's. Uh, I think Although unless you really test the limits of a thing, you can't understand what it used to do yes. well. Yes. And so when it starts to dysfunction, you have to test the limits. But sometimes you learn this was the way it was for a reason. Mm -hmm. It was. The art world exists for a reason. There's a good reason behind it, and mm -hmm. um, it needs to be fixed. But we shouldn't get. We shouldn't do away with it. That would be worse. Yeah. That would be far worse. What do you feel like you do that doesn't fit into the art world? Um, I don't really care what fits in and what doesn't. Like, I mean, I do. Like, I have. Like, I guess I have to. But it's like I don't. I'm not like thinking about like, oh, this is good for the art world or this isn't. I guess because art world means career or like work, and it's like a, you're like I'm somewhat of a public. Not like really, but like I'm a public enough person where it kind of matters, and I'm in like a tender enough place. I don't really like to be super public on social media on purpose and like in the ways that I am on social media it's like I'm usually behind like private accounts like you know kind of goofing off and so maybe some of that but it's like I'm kind of too preoccupied making art to think about what like what could or couldn't fit into it. What about something that you made that well, you had to store or nobody wanted to show it or say, say it's like bad? 
Well, how about this? For example, you have three things in your studio and you really like thing number one Mm -hmm. and everybody comes in and picks the piece that's on the, you know, wall two and three. Yeah. And, you know, why, why aren't they showing the first object? Because then I get to hang it above my bed. Then you just keep it. (laughs) I like something. Literally. (laughs) Literally. No one wanted that. And I'm like, I want it. And so I kept it. (laughs) <laughs> do I get to keep doing that? Probably not. Like I eventually will have to like destroy something. Like and I and I will. I'll destroy it. And I think there's like I don't feel super precious about most things because I know that they keep coming back to me. So and there's and you just see that I'm sure that's super true for you too. Where it, like you'll look at a journal or a sketch or something from 15 years ago and you're working in the same language. And you've just kind of found ways to kind of kind of put the smoke screen enough so that it's like palatable, but at the core, it's the same stuff over and over mm. again. But if it do, if there's like a reject and I feel okay about it and it's not resonating, I'll destroy it for sure or paint over it. Mm. Um, you know, I just like to test things out. And it's like bringing in other artists and people that I trust as compasses also like, you know, like helps get the, it's like you can't be right all the time. You can't win everyone, you know. Nobody hits home runs all the time. No. Yeah. That's part of what's fun about it, you know? You keep eating rejection. What kind of good criticism do you get from your peers? <clears throat> like, I know which friends to go for what medicine, <laughs> you know? And you can see it. I think this is, like, this is really something that I learned by trial and error, and I really stick to it. So your friends that make art, you know that that's the medicine. So, like, you can feel that there's some way in which, like, a work is it, it needs some someone has it you know it's like you're like i need i know that it needs more teeth like so and so you're shopping around for the right npc yeah that like a, like your like your a little bit agent. like give me the potion yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> i need something from this like from this vendor and so like i'll bring in that person to kind of like creatively doula and so there's some people that are like really good like if you're kind of feeling tender about something if something doesn't feel like fully it's like the shoot is t- still too small and it's not like hasn't developed enough of a plant bringing someone in that you don't really trust or like know very well is like a f- terrible waste of time if there's someone that you know that has like been proven to like sort of like foster that thing with you then it's like okay the once it's stronger then you can start to chop away at it and so like some friends i know you know, there's like the, the painter friends and then there's like, you know, the conceptual friends and then there's the people in between. And then there's just the people that have good taste, you know, like in the critics, you know, like the people that like are kind of more the coach, the coaches and less the players. So those mm. are good people to ask too. Mm. But I try to, you know, I mean, like I like my instinct is to kind of hide. And so I've worked against I've tried to work against that. And then there are just friends I've had forever that I can bring at any stage just to like kind of creatively do and like play a game of tennis, you know, and that's really fun. That is ideal. That's how you should do it. There's <laughs> two things. Well, people in uh, students all the time open up their work to like the democracy of the crit room. Fuck that. Everybody's yeah. Opinion. Fuck that. I think Terrible. that's what I think is really like. I, I think that people don't. That's like what I don't like. I really hate. I hate school. And especially when it comes to like creativity, I think that you need it. Like people need structure, but the way that like people, exactly what you're saying, where it's like any sort of crit thing I've ever seen like that, why wouldn't you, like first you have to kind of learn yourself, you know, and mm-hmm. then kind of know your own like medicine and how much dose you can take and how much rejection you can take. Like learn that first and then like, don't go to the thing where you're like, is it okay? Am I okay? Like that's the last thing you need as an artist is like at the affirmation of the class or like kind of everyone kind of deciding that it's good. The whole point is to kind of like find that from your center or you're not going to be able to survive. Like you're not going to be able to continue to make things. Very much. 
Very much, yeah. You have to be able to trust your own creative instincts. Locus of control. That's the the spiritual problem we're talking about. Mm. It's like finding your center, you know? It might be. No? What is it then? I think we have... I think we have a few things backwards. Generally, there's people who go into creative life and they consider themselves very left-wing and what they want to do is prefigure some type of communist utopia in their art practice. And that means everybody votes on everything and everything is just fucking dysfunctional, like whatever. And things are kind of in their wrong category. So we want total dictatorships and autonomy and like absolute rule in art where there is uninterrupted directorial vision, Mm -hmm. uh, untranslated, like you can consult with experts and what have you, but once you open it up to the inputs and interests of everybody, then you reinvent YouTube and it's like cooking videos and porn and like prank shit and just like boring, meaningless, whatever. And, and all of those democratic inputs and the horizontality that you want should be in every other facet of life aside from creative practice. Okay. Uh, yeah, but then people cross those wires all the time. Uh, and, it's, and it's a nightmare because it's very easy to do one and it's not easy to do the other. And they Which one's easy to do? Which one's not easy to do? It's very easy to gather all your friends and throw a very horizontal anarchist potluck. That's yes. great. Yes, it's very difficult. We're scared of ourselves, <laughs> aren't we? Is that what you're about to say? Is that where you're going? No, no. I think I think I'm, Wait, I'm saying, saying that consulting with experts and consulting with people who really know or understand a facet of oh, your vision is with intention. But being in a crit room, being surrounded yes. by artists and accepting their opinions is yes. sometimes counterproductive. And what yes. you should do is, everyone in this room is wrong, and I'm right, and I should do this. Yes, yes. <laughs> also, like curating, like who comes. You know, it's just like it's that is like the sort of like I mean, God, it's corny to say, but that is the spiritual discipline of like approaching it more like I don't know, some sort of like health regimen or something. It's like mm-hmm. who are you actually bringing in, and like what flavors do you want to be a part of that? Because it's like that is all like that all does really matter, and it does affect you. And it affects where your center is and and yeah and it's like it's hard to look at yourself you know i mean like it hurts the beautiful part of that sharing is that like you start to realize that you're not as bad as you think you are <laughs> you know it's like when you start to open up those parts of yourself to people and you like really make sharing yourself what? like ma- sharing like your bad ideas or like things that really feel embarrassing or make you unlovable you know mm-hmm. like the ancient wound stuff like the ancient wound stuff where you start to just be like Oh, I shared this and I'm still I'm still intact. You know, like after, you know, like after the crit, you know, like where you bring in your friends and you share this thing and it's like totally unformed and like this like helpless little, you know, like <laughs> bleeding like fetus of a idea and they're like, actually, this is way better than you think it is, you know, and there's like that's really exciting, right? Uh, uh, you start to like sort of strength test that part of yourself. What if it's a bad one? Well then you abort it. <laughs> <laughs> mercilessly <laughs> and you know because you had someone help you see like oh this will never grow legs <laughs> I see yeah you said something like knowing understanding yourself mm-hmm. well, we're scared of ourselves I think there are some foundational myths that people tell themselves about themselves yeah those things can get interrupted over time mm-hmm. especially in creative life yeah what you think you're doing and what you end up doing can sometimes be different and the process of refining honing your creative practice is getting rid of those at certain points it's like having this more Mm. you know or increased clarity maybe nobody sees perfectly clear but it's like relatively more clear it seems like you are very clear with your practice it doesn't seem like you're 
confused about what you're doing. And, 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 and to the degree that there are things that are ambiguous or questions that you ask in your practice, yeah. it doesn't feel like, you know, when I was an artist in 2015, I was like, I guess I'll try this and I'll see if people like it or I'll see if I like it. Yeah. You seem to be very clear on what it is you want to do. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, I know the like the core of it yeah but there's all like it's every project comes with like new challenges and things i want to like i want to freak myself out over and over again or gut myself you know like the work should get better like it needs to get better you know and so like there's there's that but it's like the reason for why i make it yeah that feels that's felt clear for a long time the like, reason why you make it like the reason i make like for why i make it and like why what I is the reason why you make I'm it? i'm not telling you <laughs> Shit, I thought I was going to get you with that one. No! I really thought I was going to... Damn. <laughs> I've made it clear in the margins of this conversation. Yeah, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I've made it very clear. You can ask in different ways, I guess, but I feel like it's... You, you, you already know. Everyone knows. It was more so like a test, because sometimes people have a canned answer for that kind of question. So I was just curious if you had, like, a kind of preloaded testing the fences okay interesting yeah yeah. i don't know some social practice person would be like well why do you make this art like well we need to heal societies whatever and like i don't know okay thank you press release that's great Mm -hmm. thank you for that we're so happy you're coming back to make art yeah eventually well now now i actually got to make the art that's the thing okay so um well let's do let's do a conclusion then okay well, what did we want to talk? We wanted to talk about eschatology, but we didn't do that. And like Christianity, but we just, don't have time for that. We're just doing our own thing. I'm going to try and put a frame. We started this conversation talking about how artists have particular visions, ways of viewing the world that then influence the rest of society. And I immediately brought up that I think artists are not very clear uh, in their vision of the world. And I disagreed. You, you, you disagreed. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think, I think there's also, there's another forking interpretation that we didn't, we didn't go into that maybe mm-hmm. the role of the artist has been usurped by what we now give another label and artists or, or whatever. I don't know. I disagree, but to be continued. Keep going. Right. But then we kind of circled back to understanding why the art world itself is important and why that should be preserved and the good things that it does in society versus all of the other practical alternatives, which are not desirable. Mm-hmm. They are far worse. Yes. The, the worst uh, shit sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> right? The best and the worst. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you feel frustrated by or limited by in the context that you currently have to work in? Uh, why that... are you hanging out with me? Ha ha ha. Yeah, what is it? What... <laughs> Wait, why would, what would that have to do with life or what why why would hanging out with you being on the being on the edge of the thing and challenging the thing i don't i think you have a different idea of who you are than you actually are is what i think that's about Mm. and less about me i think that's you're dodging the question yeah what is the question the question is what do you feel limited by in the art world um i think it's an interesting challenge but that there's not enough funding for Mm. but that's it's an interesting but it's unfortunate that like you have to be a shopkeeper not a painter sometimes yeah like that part of it is like is annoying and that um like the running the business part of it is annoying and that i had to learn how to do that but Again, tastiest shit sandwich. Of the shit sandwiches I've, I've sampled, this is okay. Yeah. 
um, and I think it will get better and I'll get I'll get smarter at it and um, and I know that a part of that is like what it takes in order to be like for it to be like a sustainable practice and not like exhaust me mm. um, financially emotionally yeah spiritually whatever do you think the art world is going to last if yeah. we had this conversation five years from now ten years from now do you think it's gonna be yeah I do really yeah I feel like there's a sense now where people revere it because of what it did in previous decades but I feel like there's a growing resentment and the pitchforks are right outside sure you know sure but the way that I mean at least for myself and that's what I'm just gonna I'll just go off of that but at least for myself the more time I have to spend with my reality and practice and everything just mediated by screens the more I'm seeking experiences that are in the same language as corporeal reality right so it's like I really hope that those spaces because the again like the relief that I feel having some break from like that mediated experience is like just a delight and so I hope that they stay all I have is like hiking swimming and like looking at art so I hope I totally they stay. understand. Yeah. But maybe, you know, maybe they won't, but I think they probably will. I think that because it's the only type of language that we have for that, you know, it's like it's the only thing that we have that's able to really talk about that. So I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the question that you declined to answer. I have realized that in, in this whole process, like this is, this being art is kind of the reason that I live it is my belief system it is everything yeah. it is the height of human potential and autonomy and will and transcendence and all of these things so yeah that is not going anywhere no absolutely no yeah and if those things went away you'd probably still be making something you know because you need to do it if those things went away then it would be such a it would be such a disastrous ill society that it would not be worth living in yeah so. it's true and any time I go through some catastrophic life experience, it's like any sort of like major loss or death or just anything, you know, I gather art around me. Mm. Can you imagine not having that? Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's a good place to end it. It is. No, it was great. It was, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> or the teal box. Uh, <laughs> the teal box, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a Soros-sponsored podcast, so oh, okay. we can't talk about the teal box okay. here. That's, when we do the teal box podcast, we can't talk about the Soros money, but this is being paid for by the Soros money. Okay. So we right. just got to keep the streams clear, otherwise right. it's a conflict of interest. Uh -huh.